Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk, the anniversary edition. Two big anniversaries to talk about on the show, the show itself, and something related to little old me. And we'll get to that as we record. I, of course, am Chris O'Mealy, your host, commissioner, ring announcer, joined, of course, by Dan Peck. Happy anniversary, Chris. Well, happy anniversary, Dan. I hear and, the seventh anniversary is the I have no idea anniversary. Yes, that's probably wood or some shit paper. I don't know. Probably. But Dan, you know what because it's an anniversary show, we had to do something special, right? Yeah, I got it. we had to do something special. V- very special. That's actually a clue. <laughs> Spetzel? Yeah, Spetzel. It's actually kind of a clue. I, I don't know if I could say it without getting a little emotional. But, Dan, he's here. But who? What are you talking about? Glenn! Excuse me, does does somebody know where I can find a, uh, a Tom Nook? You noob. I can, I can tell you where Timmy and Tom Jr. are. <laughs> That's right. We we convinced him for at least one week, probably just one week for right now, because he's still on his work hell until the summer. But Glenn had a free day, and because it's an anniversary show, he has decided to remind us that he is still alive. COVID did not kill him. Work is not killing yet. him, but COVID is, did not. <laughs> and yes. the funny thing is, the work stuff started before the COVID, which is it good. Did. I mean, I'm not want to. I don't want to blame the COVID, but it didn't help. It was totally the COVID. It, it went. It went from bad to really bad. Sixteen-hour days on a salary pay means you get nothing. Good day, sir. Good, Good day, sir. Day, sir. Oh, by the way, traditional seventh anniversary gifts is copper or wool. Did any of you bring me any copper or wool? I bought some wool that had some copper woven in. You just bring me a dead sheep. What the fuck, Dan? <laughs> well, you didn't say how you wanted the wool. Hey, the copper makes it antibacterial. The wool's been pulled over your eyes. So now everybody's done geeking out that Glenn is back. And you should be, because you've been asking for it. Get it back in your pants. And they've totally been asking for you, Glenn, so. Yeah, I'm sorry. Things yeah, are... most shows get one or two comments, and they've all been... Where's Glenn? R.I.P. Glenn. R.I.P. Glenn. Rip. Well, it is nice to have you back. Glenn, since you've been gone, uh, CKCC Radio has actually been growing. I see that. Yes. So Uh, this will be the last time you hear Glenn on this show. (laughs) That's not true. And and, and even the um, Twitch page has been growing. (laughs) We've got new subscribers on Twitch, twitch.tv slash CKCC online for you guys out there. I'm probably probably going to be streaming the rest of the day because TW2020 came out yesterday, but I was busy with other stuff. When we're done recording, we're going on a social distancing picnic with some friends. Mm. TW2020, what's that? Total Extreme Wrestling 2020, the Booker Sim. Total Extreme gotcha. Wrestling Dog. Um, but yes, Jeff Trelowitz now has two shows, Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks, that you can check out. 
J-Bunny's Music Hub has been producing the backlog of episodes, but also two new episodes have gone up right here. Episode 40 and 41, which were the new episodes that you got to hear for the first time as we go through the backlog. And we're actually doing pretty well in the backlog. We got like 15 up now. So we'll actually be getting caught up pretty quickly. We'll be caught up before year's end, which is the, the goal. First Monday of every month, Motivational Moves with Adrian Cotton. And then, of course, I completed my mini-series of Chris Ranks the Universe. Another one will be coming in a couple weeks. I'll be doing Star Wars and Stupid Sexy Podcast. New episode probably tomorrow as we record this, where Dan and I review every Simpsons ever. And another new podcast on its way to CKCC Radio. Mark Adams, who you guys heard on Chris Ranks the Universe. He's the author of Marked Review's blog. Him and his buddy are going to be doing the long and short as a podcast, and it's going to be basically a nerdcast, because nerdcasts are awesome. Remember Pie Crust? I remember Pie Crust. You know, that's what we should do. We should put the entire run of Pie Crust up for patrons. Mm. And I later... Hope, I later, hope somebody has it. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure somebody does. Uh, I used to have it, and then an external hard drive is pretty much dead, so... Uh, and then I've got some patron plans probably a little bit later today or tomorrow for our patrons. I've got some stuff to give to you guys. Our Dan Madigan interview I'm going to upload on our patron page so you guys can check that out. And uh, maybe I'll also – I'm also thinking about doing the very first ever Club Kayfabe when it was just the Club Kayfabe podcast, the intro episode. Might throw that up there too just to have a little bit of fun and look back and hear how awful we all were when we first started podcasting. Is that the awkward finding yourself and your pace and stuff? Yeah, especially uh, when I was still using a rock band microphone. <laughs> hey, I was still using a rock band microphone. <clears throat> so, last week's trivia question was one that I actually researched and found out of sheer curiosity. And uh, you may not have even known the answer to this unless you Googled it yourself. Discounting gimmick matches, Iron Man matches, and all that sort. What is the longest match in WWF history? A singles match. And this one was from Madison Square Garden in 1965. It yeah. went. Wow! <laughs> it went the full 60 minutes because Bruno San Martino pinned Dr. Bill Miller just in time before they called for the uh, the time limit draw at the 60 minute mark. That is the longest singles match in the history of the WWF. I'm sure there's footage of that out there somewhere. If you look up San Martino versus Bill Miller, MSG 1965, you'll probably find it. Boy, the way Bill Miller played. <laughs> and some people are going to be like, who the hell is Dr. Bill Miller? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so my original thought was when Chris came, I was like, well, remember that episode of Raw where Randy Orton was supposed to be, like, the focal point of the entire episode, but then he freaking pissed hot, like, the day before. So, but they kept advertising him for the show, and they just had the Shawn Michaels-John Cena match take the entire last hour. That was the match, I thought. Yep. But it wasn't. It was close, though. It was, like, 55 or 56. Something. It's in the top 10, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It almost went the full hour. <clears throat> and, yes, that's why we need time limits in wrestling. Mm. So, what's this week's trivia question? Okay, so uh, because we've been, I've been preparing for Total Extreme Wrestling 2020, 
I get to hear and learn all these things that happened because Pro Wrestling Noah does their tag team league called Global Tag League. They do that in January. So they got that in this year before everything shut down. Mm. Well, you might be surprised to find out who won it. Mm. So who won Pro Wrestling Noah's Global Tag League this year? The year of our good lord? 2020. Hmm. Couldn't even begin to guess the foggiest clue. Oh, you would be... Well, one of them would be very surprising. Let me just say. By the way, did you see the thing where it's like if you divide 2020, you get 404, and it's like, this whole year is an error. Yeah. <laughs> whole year is just a big old error. It's the end of an error. That's what everyone's going to say. End of an error, correct. Here's... All right, guys. So, this past week, we had Money in the Bank, the COVID edition. And I'm not going to review the whole pay-per-view because there's nothing, there's no point in reviewing whole pay-per-views anyway. And Bailey uh, and Sasha love slash hate each other still? Basically, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, even though not a single person in WWE is being tested for COVID-19... Whereas AEW tested everybody. And everybody is clear. So they can still keep doing what they're doing. By the way, you know what my favorite thing about AEW is right now? Billy Gunn and his son in the crowd. Because they're friggin' hysterical. Because they're those fans that make the noise where they chant random stuff and they'll like occasionally have a sign. <laughs> Yeah, we need we need more fans like that. Well, he's like, probably just like, hey, remember me? hey, all the crazy shit I did in the late nineties paying off now. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Money in the Bank happened, and I want to talk about the match itself because because even seeing the ma- seeing that match, I watched part of a WWE pay per view. And Glenn, did you watch it too? Yeah, basically, I I said you know the everything before the Money in the Bank match was basically throwaway Raw SmackDown stuff. So, this was simultaneously the best and worst thing that I have ever seen in pro wrestling. Dude, I fucking loved it until they got to the roof. I thought like. As soon as it became an actual ladder match, I was like, oh, it's just a ladder match now. Yeah, I, I kind of, <laughs> I, I enjoy the, or I have been enjoying these cinematches. Um, but I also, you know, didn't think that this ranked against, like, say, The Undertaker AJ. I thought that was done much better. That's because well, that's I mean, that's still the, the focal, right? There's like a two guy focal point with like two other guys showing up at one point, right? This is there's two matches happening at the same time, and we got to flip between them, and then everyone splits up at one point, and then but you it, get to the roof, and half the people don't make it to the roof. But it definitely, <laughs> this one definitely had its moments. All right, so let's talk about some of the 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 good and the bad. Um, okay, so right off the bat. So, Oscar jumps from the second floor. Right. Which <laughs> could be awesome, except that it was 
too telegraphed. They took way too long for her to actually jump. Everybody was just standing there mulling around like, oh, 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 what do we do? Instead of doing the logical thing like moving away from her. She should have just... She should have... Well, if they're doing this with uh, with camera angles, there's no excuse to just have a shot of her screaming and then jumping and making it look like they were all taken by surprise. True. They telegraphed it too much and made it look stupid. When well, it on top of that, sh- there were so many women down there, they could have just simply caught her. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, not dropped, but... But I did, I did like the fact that she was just like, what do I do now? And it was just like, oh, duh, elevator. <laughs> so that 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 was fun. The guys actually started in the, the the big gym that they have in the basement. Oh, the classic weight room with the weird WWE logos and neon all around the trim. Yeah, this actually was this actually was a pretty good start, except for AJ's trapping under the barbells, which was so obvious he wasn't actually trapped, and he was trying to make it look good, but it was like uh, it was like that spot they just did on Dynamite with the young buck under, I think it was Nick, was under the garage. And it was obvious he was holding the garage door down because of the springboards and it wouldn't have looked right. Or like when Jericho got locked out at Nitro and he had to literally hold the door closed. Yeah. (laughs) As he was trying to get, or, you know, like Abdul the Butcher getting electrocuted. Uh, Yeah, so. (laughs) That stuff was kind of. Kind of I like the, the intro for the guys because it was like all friendly. Like, oh, hey, boys, what's going on? Oh, we're going to have ourselves a fight. And then fucking Corbin shows up and throws off the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, because screw him. <laughs> and then, and then they, 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 ring the, they ring the bell and they don't all just beat the shit out of Corbin. They all just find their own person. Like, come on. There was one heel in that, one heel heel in that match. Like, I mean, AJ's technically a heel, but everyone likes AJ. It don't matter if he's heel or face. All right, so let's talk about some highlights here. Uh, Brother Love using the shitter. (laughs) And he loves Rey Mysterio. And he's like, yeah, I love you too, but I'm busy. Uh, AJ's PTSD when he saw the Taker poster and then got trapped in the room with all the Taker merch. Corbin's a real asshole, dude. (laughs) I thought that was funny as hell. Legit heel. Um... One of the doinks showing up. Yeah, probably basically a stagehand. <laughs> or some office worker that just got to appear. And he's like, put on the wig, put on some white paint. Here. That was so clear, because it was so clearly not a wrestler. <laughs> well, the thing is, is I actually... Something I was listening to this week actually said one of the former doinks does in fact still work for WWE. So it might very well have been one of the former doinks. Yeah, Steve Kern. Still yeah. works for WWE, but that was not Steve Kern. No, uh, that's not the one that they mentioned. They had mentioned somebody else. Well, I know they had like... a I know they had a prelim guy that did a bunch of doink stuff and then didn't be didn't transition as a wrestler, became an office guy. So that could have been him, but I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't I don't recall the name, but I know they had mentioned. Oh my, what? It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Nick Dinsmore who was also no. been doink. <laughs> Because we would have probably recognized him, and I don't think he's there. Apparently, they still don't know who it is. Okay. All right, it's a doink. It's just a doink. There's twelve. There's two hundred doinks. Let's just go with that. It was not Steve Cruz from the Killer Steves who does have the did pay the fifty bucks to get the rights. However, the hell that works. <laughs> that um, was an interesting little surprise. Uh. 
so they use real ropes for part of their decorating display, which is interesting. Um, there was uh, the food fight, which yeah, was was funny because I I don't know much about what Paul Heyman likes to eat, but that didn't look like food he'd get excited over. Like that should have been like that should have been like the McDonald's spread or KFC or something. To me, that seems more like a Paul Heyman thing. Oh no, it, they should have just had chip sandwich. Wait, Wait, sandwiches looked awful too. The sandwiches looked terrible, dude. He's a Jew. They should have had brisket. <laughs> Oh, man. They should have just been a whole ton of brisket out there for Heyman to get excited over. That would have made the most sense. Did we already skip the worst fucking part of the entire thing? Uh, what would that be, Dan? That would be, welcome to the Queendom! Oh, yeah, I was going to get to the women's stuff in a sec. Oh, you're going to separate them? Okay, because it was like, <laughs> oh my god. We actually probably should talk about the women first, because that match ended first. But yeah, since you mentioned it, so... The women brawl into a random conference room that's got a Money in the Bank briefcase with actual money in it. Yes. And and Dana Brooke wins it. And then in a horribly, horribly shot, it's very obvious Stephanie isn't there segment. She's just like, Dana, you're a dumbass. That's not the actual briefcase. It's on the roof. You're dumb. And clean up after yourself. Because Stephanie... This is our special Money in the Bank meeting room. Like, what? You have so many meeting rooms. There's a specific one for discussing Money in the Bank in. Meanwhile, if I was Carmella and I had a briefcase full of all that cash, I'd have been like, yeah, I'll take this one instead. <laughs> so, yeah, because she would have made it rain. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, uh, Carmella looked good. Shayna Baszler looked good. Dana Brooke looked good until she got taken out at the end. Nia Jax looked horrible. Like, horrible. And then, who was the, were there only five girls? Or was there a sixth? There was six. There was Carmella, Dana, Lacey. Lacey, yeah. Lacey didn't do anything of substance. That's why I forgot she was in there. She was yeah, like, she nasty. She was, yeah. She, she was like one of the many people that disappeared as soon as Asuka got to the roof. Basically, yeah. <laughs> they all just disappeared. So, anyway. so... My wife's playing Animal Crossing, and my cat is watching. He's just, ca- <laughs> yeah, he's just casually sitting on the couch, just watching the game. So they do the food fight. Oh and yeah, they... and Otis is the one that has the spaz attack. Yes, and demands that we have a food fight. And everyone's just like, "Why would we food fight?" Because the guys and the girls all encountered each other, and then who and was then just... who actually got choked out by Shayna? It was one of the guys with little substance in the match. Uh, it was Ray. Was it, was it Ray? Ray? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was the smallest guy because yeah. because who else could she have choked out and been realistic? Because it wasn't going to be Brian or AJ, and, it, and then the other three guys are big guys. So, And so the, the, the food fight ends, and it's the fat people who stand tall, and they just look at each other and go, fat respect. Oh yeah, Otis and Naya. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And then Otis ends up in the actual cafeteria, and freaking John Laurinaitis is there. Get some of the pie, because fuck that guy. That. (laughs) As soon as I saw that, I was like, "There's Dan's favorite wrestler." (laughs) Hey, people power. Yeah, he got pied. It's pied. And now he's Johnny Bell. Yeah. 
That was weird because it was like clearly a pumpkin pie. And then when they go back to look at Johnny covered in pie, he has like jelly on him. It's like blueberry or cherry or something. So weird. Because fuck continuity. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, this is that's the kind of match where continuity is what? He's wearing the white suit. It's got to have some color okay, jelly. So what's next? Uh, uh, is it there's when... two. There's two more segments we have to talk about. Daniel what? and Brian. Daniel and Daniel Brian. Brian. Yes. Daniel and Brian and AJ. I was going to talk about that last, but we could talk okay. about that. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So, Brian and AJ are brawling up in that part of the building. And, soon... and I'm like, wait, is this where Triple H's office is? And then they go in and I see something. I'm like, oh, no, this is Vince's office. Oh, my God. Well, well it was great because I saw that as, as soon as they went in, I'm like, that's a nice office. Is that the one? And I see the T-Rex head. And I'm just like, yes, that's it. And then, of course, there's Vince at his desk wearing jeans. <laughs> wearing Yo. jeans. Oh, Vince finally looking old as fuck. Oh, yeah, Vince looks terrible all of a sudden. He looks awful. Anybody else notice that, that since 2020 started, Vince Vince aged five years? Well, things are not going well. No, they're not. XFL and everything, but yeah. But that was the, my favorite part of the whole match was when Vince just stands up, looks at them trashing his office, and goes, Get out! And they immediately stop and fix everything and put it back and make it look pristine. And then they're just both like, sorry, boss. Get out, close the door. You're a bitch. And you know what the best part is? You know that they only let that be Brian and AJ because they're like people that are actually high on Vince's list. Like that wasn't going to be Corbin. No. <laughs> Nobody would have believed that. Or Alistair Black, who like Vince is just like, I don't, I don't get, get him. His name's Black, but he's not. You see, Vince, no man is ever truly good. <laughs> ah, what's the next line, pal? No man is ever truly evil? By the way, not to sidetrack a little bit, but if you have any free time, watch the the YouTube channel A to Z. Uh, it's, you know, Alistair Black and Zelina Vega's channel. Dude, they do some really funny shit. I bet they do. They seem like a pretty fun couple, though. They are way laid back, and they've got five cats. And I like them already. That doesn't sound laid back at all. <laughs> That's a lot of cat. <laughs> so, yeah, the stupidest part of the match that I hated was the janitor segment, because that's how they took Dana Brooke out of the equation. And I thought that was a huge missed opportunity. I'm like, somebody's going to slip on the floor, and it's like, uh, it's going to be Dana. And then she never appeared after that. And I'm like, that was stupid. Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah. So, now that people are finally making it onto the roof, instead of doing the logical thing, which was taking the stairs the whole way, or taking the elevator, because we had to actually see the whole building, um, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match has a pretty lackluster finish, but the right champion. Correct. The finish of the women's ladder match involved more men than women. Yes, that's true, because freaking Corbin was up there. But the good news is she kicked the shit out of him. <laughs> I love the fact that Asuka kicked him off the ladder. Well, of all the women to actually beat up Baron Corbin, the only two realistically, in, there were only three realistically in the match that could have done it, and it, Shayna and Nia weren't there. I would have either gone with Asuka or Shayna as the correct winner. Or pull the trigger on Dana Brooke. Carmella's already done it. Twice, technically. Yeah. Uh, Lacey's still not ready for that position, and 
Lord knows freaking Nia Jax will never be ready at this point. Because now the fact that she's legitimately hurting people, they're making that into a gimmick. Which sucks. Which is terrible. So I think Asuka was the correct winner, and then might as well talk about this now. The next night on Raw, the big announcement that Becky Lynch is pregnant and is relinquishing the title, and Asuka didn't actually have a contract. She had the actual belt in the briefcase, and it was confirmed Asuka had no knowledge of any of this going into it, and her reaction was completely genuine. Which was awesome. She realized that the briefcase weighed, like, 20 pounds more today than it did yesterday. (laughs) I I loved how genuine it looked. I loved the fact that, you know, basically kayfabe was just completely dropped at that point. Because she went from being the the badass Japanese woman yelling, screaming to, you're going to be a mother? Yeah, I heard the negative shit about that, but honestly... uh... Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so I actually wanted to comment on that because, holy fuck. So I've been reading a lot of people bitching about that, saying that basically that should have been the moment where Asuka spit in in Becky's face, choked her out, whatever the case may be. Read that. A, she's fucking pregnant. Well, spitting in her face wouldn't have been so bad. But no, no, no. It would have been because in this day and age, they've actually taken the mist away from her because they don't want her spitting in people's faces because... Hello, oh, the corona. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, that just would have been utterly, utterly stupid. Plus, they freaking just turned face like a month ago. <laughs> so, Asuka spitting in Becky's face, Asuka choking her out, the cheap heat just would have been completely wrong in that moment. So, no, you're wrong, and you should feel sorry for yourself for even thinking so. I agree. And you know what? Asuka's been a pretty good heel, but given who the uh, who her top contenders are going to be, which will be Shayna and Nia, I, uh, yeah, she's going to have to be face at least to get through that. She can totally turn heel when Becky comes back in 2021. Or when... Uh... Um, when Kyrie wants a shot at the belt, but I think Kyrie would make a better face than Oscar. She might, but we don't. You know, if they're going to keep Oscar as a face, then or you know, or like you said, or you know, Kyrie is the face and Oscar flips on her. Right, because I think uh, I think Oscar as a heel as a singles can run on her own, but I think Kyrie was only getting over as a heel because of Asuka. And that's possibly true. Because Asuka's got the fire behind the character. Kyrie doesn't really have that so much, but... So, yeah. Uh, and now, the finish of the men's match, which was the better finish, but the more questionable person, although we can discuss scenarios here, was, first things first, uh... Baron Corbin straight up murders Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black. It's okay, they're okay. And yeah, if you watched right. closely, you definitely saw there was a roof. Yeah, I know, they talked about that. We all knew that was going to happen. And then, they do kind of what they did for the finish for the uh, the ladder match, right? From WrestleMania, where Morris, they, Morrison had it and then fell, but he was still holding the briefcase. So, they do something similar, which was... We get the briefcase down, AJ has it, but he lost control, and it slipped into Otis's hands, and that's all that matters is 
the person who is holding the briefcase steadily is the guy who has it. Otis so. has control. Oh, yeah! Two feet, two feet on the ground inbounds. And my favorite part was, Mandy, I did it! <laughs> so, yeah. Had the weirdest go-home ever because the entire main event was pre-taped and they could barely commentated over it from... Can I just say that you know which parts of the... You know which parts of Titan Tower are dedicated to the higher-up office staff just based on how nice the offices and conference rooms were? Like, the really yeah. nice conference room, the one that you know Vince uses, was way nicer. The one that they the guys brawled in. Well, that was the, um... The creative meeting room, right? Oh, uh, yeah, well, and... Because I've seen pictures of, like, 50 people around that table... And I was like, well, no wonder you're a fucking mess. You got too many people working creative. I think that's also where they do their weekly business call from. Because I think I've seen Triple H do his broadcast from there. Yeah. You know, if, if that's Vince's conference room, then you know that that's going to be the, the good one. The other conference room, I think, is like... Not even a conference room? They just made it a conference room? No, I think that's like probably like in company stuff it's like your standard office conference room basically it's a nice office building and i think it's i I like vince's office but i mean i already am familiar with vince's office Vince's office is also smaller than you think it would be agreed and yet it's also bigger than probably every other office in the building yep well, I remember, oh, I remember like, seeing, like, in the... Was it the Punk documentary where we saw Triple H's office? And it's fucking tiny and in the corner. And it's, like, the number two guy in the whole fucking company. <laughs> I think that's partially why they had plans to move Titan Towers, because they wanted a bigger building. Uh, guys, I need a bigger office. Uh, uh. How can I be intimidated when... Uh... My office is smaller than a bathroom cubicle. <laughs> My nose can't even fit in it. <laughs> yeah, well... I know we can't even close the door because my nose. All I know is I didn't get to see Bobby's workspace. That made me sad. Yeah, they didn't go into that area probably because would, everyone would see that they work in shitty-ass cubicles. Almost everybody. Like every other job on the planet. You realize there's just only some of you only have two walls and they don't even go up that high yet you feel like you're trapped like you're in jail so I remember when I took the tour of the MSNBC offices in New York City and we saw Keith Olbermann's office and it's just like oh you would expect it to be bigger but it's the same size office as most of the cubicles out there the only difference is that it's a corner office with a with a door and the glass walls and his pr- private mailbox. So, yep, there's some people, and it, it's the same in my company. There's some people who they should have an office or a bigger office, and they don't because they don't want it because they want to be, you know, open to their team. They want to be open to who they deal with on a constant basis. Some of them yeah. just just don't feel like they want to be quote unquote special. Yeah, and that's uh that can say a lot too. But that's that wraps up money in the bank right there. It was uh 
the uh, the other thing that I think that you were going to allude to with Otis winning the briefcase, I think the running rumors are he's going to cash it in for a tag title shot. Well, it doesn't say it has to be a world title shot. Okay. I actually don't hate him winning. I, I thought it was fun. I don't have a problem it's with it like either. It, was, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was Corbin again. It was a surprise. And, and they, like mostly, and some of the other guys have been champion a few times. So like, it's somebody new, and it's a different thing. And it's a guy who's hot, right? So yeah, like, he's, and he's over. So like, I mean, yeah, I doubt he's gonna like, like, like people are already like you said, like he might do it for a tag shot for him and and, Tucky. Him and big fucky Tucky, but uh, um, Tucker's the one I feel the worst for. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, maybe Tucker should get fine charisma with one of the hottest women in the world and have her go to bat for him. <laughs> like Mandy did, because apparently it was been Mandy's idea to do this whole thing. So, And that's the other thing. If you want a little info on Otis's life, you can listen to the podcast that he did with uh, Lillian Garcia. They did like an hour and a half show. And uh, you get some really interesting background on Otis. He's had quite the life. Sweet. So yeah, uh, that was the best and worst thing I've ever seen in pro wrestling. It was super stupid at times, but it was also super fun, and given the circumstances, probably the best option. But yes, uh, the Otis and Mandy live sex celebration is coming. Oh dear God, please no. It's not the only thing that's coming. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now imagine if Mandy was in the women's match and she won too and she was Mandy in the bank. Oh dear God. Yep, so money in the bank, a thing that happened. Anyway, who out there would like some Owen Hart related merchandise. Like sure. official Owen Hart related merchandise. Well, guess what? It's coming, y'all. It's about time. So, yeah, but, you know, to celebrate 21 years of his death. I know, right? Like, almost to the day, they're going to release some commemorative well, shirts and stuff. Supposedly, Martha's really been loosening up, and the Dark Side of the Ring had something to do with that, so. We haven't seen that episode yet, because that's going to be the finale. But, yeah, that's, uh, we're looking at some good stuff. Which means, perhaps, an Owen Hart Hall of Fame induction will finally be happening. That'd be nice. And, oh my goodness. The Undertaker has basically signed his life away to this company. Pretty much. (laughs) In 2019, we just are now realizing it, he signed a 15-year deal. Rumors are he's got a few matches left in the tank, and then everything else is probably going to be mentorship. Well, yeah, he'll he'll wrestle when when he wants to slash Ken, which is what that documentary alluded to. By the way, that documentary was friggin' fantastic. I can't wait for tomorrow. The next well, part for me, yeah. it'll be Monday, but I can't wait to watch the the part two. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be I'll waiting then on Monday. Then God, it's so freaking good. It was just like I've been watching the freaking Bulls documentary on ESPN, The Last Dance. Fucking fantastic. Makes you realize just how much crap he had to go through. 
You also realize just how fiercely protective he was of both the business and his own character, which is... Which I don't... Is probably the only reason why that character has lasted it lasted more than two days. I don't yeah. think anybody puts as much work into their character. <laughs> Clearly not. Although, what's funny is that, like, you know, people will will go and hate on Corbin for being an asshole on Twitter, and it's just like, oh, so you guys want kayfabe, but you also don't want kayfabe because it's Corbin? And then, like, Kevin Owens is a jerk on Twitter, and people are like, oh, he's just kayfabe Like, I don't even like Corbin, and I understand the hypocrisy behind that. I think there's a certain balance that people want that they're not getting. Well, uh, you... mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh... Last piece of news from WWE is that Sami Zayn has vacated the Intercontinental Championship because, Forceful. yep, forcefully, because he can't make, he won't leave the quarantine and he's getting heat for it because as we've already established, Vince doesn't put over sickness and doesn't acknowledge that any of this is happening. Which is why, like earlier when we said, no one has been tested. Right, because they don't want to. do it. Right, but when Corey Graves was out potentially with it, they didn't even. They were just like, "Well, if possible, he's got it." Yeah, pretty dumb. So yeah, they're doing a tournament for the IC title, um, which you know should be fun. But one other piece of e news that I you know uh, remember from watching NXT on Wednesday, um, they are doing another In Your House uh, event in June. Yes, NXT In Your House. Yes. NXT TakeOver In Your House, which I'm like, so is it's technically NXT In Your House In Your House, because I, I already considered TakeOver In Your House. It's just a generic name for we're having an event. Just like In Your House was. Bringing the old name back. I wonder if they're going to so, have the set. It's like I'll I'll mark for the set. That would be I, awesome. I would bet that they will have some some form of an in your house set. Are they going to give a house to some eight year old kid so he has something over his parents? <laughs> if I recall correctly, I went to one of the in your house shows. Yeah, quick trivia: Where was the first in your house? That I do not know. Well, it wasn't in my house. <laughs> I always remember it because it was in Syracuse. Ah. First in your house. Syracuse, New York. Were you there, though? I mean, not at the show, but I was lived in the area at the time. I was there, Gandalf. I was there. Oh, man. So Yes, I was there 4,000 years ago. Would you like to talk about the New Japan Pro Wrestling President's Address? Did you did you see this going? I didn't. Okay. Uh, for, it starts out with him saying reason why they're not doing shows or even empty arena shows. The reasons are, you know, health and safety for our employees. Uh, on top of that, most of the places we work are owned by the municipalities which means that their local government says, no, then we can't work in that arena. Makes like, sense. So he, he breaks down like the three or four reasons why they're not doing shows. And that, don't worry, we'll, we'll come out, and as soon as we can, we'll do empty arena shows, and as soon as we can, 
We'll do half capacity shows, and as soon as we can, we'll do full capacity shows. Can you imagine how those shows are gonna how those shows are gonna look when they get crowds back? They're gonna be hot as hell. And they're like, well, you know, one of the good things about this is that uh, some of our guys are, you know, you get beat up, man, and they're, you know, having a few months off is good for a lot of our people. Yeah, yeah they're healing. Naito is actually going to be a full power for once. Yeah, and full power Naito. And uh, like, oh, and during all this, we've expanded our uh, store and all new merch, and you can help support us during this. Yeah, the first, yeah. E- even the first Raw and first Dynamite with a live crowd is going to sound like the Raw for WrestleMania. Oh, without a doubt, because people are just going to be Everybody, hot. And people excited. are going to be hot. It'll be nice. Even at half capacity <laughs> with a seat but in between everybody. It's going to be insanity. You just imagine all the times we're going to look back on like wrestling. Like, okay, so it's it's May 2030. We've just witnessed uh, WrestleMania 46. And we're looking back at the history of WrestleMania. And when we get to 36, we're like, look. That's the one that they taped over two nights in an empty building because of the global pandemic. That's what we're always going to remember. And then your grandkids going to be like, "What's a global pandemic?" And you're like, "Well, son, it's <laughs> the way things are right now. Just back then." Oh yeah, because we still have. <laughs> or maybe in ten years we'll be advanced enough they'll be like, "Hmm, what's a sickness?" Well, I mean, David Draymond's down with the sickness, but. <laughs> We're going to get up. So, Eric Rowan is now on the indies as Eric Redbeard, which, eh, not bad. And by now on the indies, I mean, like, maybe Will be in August. August. Maybe in August. Will be in <laughs> August. All right. Uh, this, apparently, he's got merch up, so. This week on uh, Dark Side of the Ring, we did the Road Warrior story, which is a very dismal story to relive. And the uh, the basic story is that uh, Joe Laurinaitis, a.k.a. Animal, was the, the at-home guy who didn't really go out and party. And Mike Headstrong, who was Road Warrior Hawk, partied too hard. And ultimately... And that's why one of them is dead. Ultimately paid for it because his, his hardcore party lifestyle gave him a heart attack at only 46 Mm-hmm. And that's really sad. But they do the whole story of like how they broke up because Hawk's lifestyle got to Animal and he didn't want to deal with it anymore. And then all the horrible retreads that they went through and that Hawk was doing the gimmick in Japan. And Animal was like, this is bullshit. And they talked to a lot of, they talked to a lot of interesting people. They talked to Barry Darso. They talked to Nikita Koloff. They talked to a lot of people who were part of it. Of course, Paul Ellering's in it. Paul Ellering even remembered the entire eulogy he gave at Hawk's funeral by memory. Like, that's kind of crazy to think about, but considering Hawk died in 2003, he still has that committed to memory, but I guess that's just one of those things you never forget. Mm. Overall, though, uh, really good episode, and even, you know, because of course they... Oh, and they did talk to Draws about joining as Puke, and how he knew that was not going to work out, and they everybody hated 
bringing Hawk's problems into the account. So, yeah. He was going to remember when he was going to kill himself by jumping off the Titantron. Yep. That still sticks to memory. They didn't talk about Rocco, though. They didn't talk about Rocco. You know why? Because you don't need to, because he's that big. Everyone just knows. Of course. Yeah, really, really good episode. And I don't remember the Dark Side. I'm going to look it up real quick. Dark Side of the Ring Season 2 episode listing. Because I want to know what's... uh... Yep. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Road Last Ride of the Road Warriors was the penultimate. The final days of Owen Hart will be next week, and that will be the finale. It'll air on May 19th. Kane. So, of course, we did mention... Why'd you say that date? So, yeah. Uh, we did mention that these were two big anniversaries took place this week. Uh, May 14th, 2005 was my debut as ring announcer for World Star Wrestling. May 15th, 2013 is the anniversary of this show. Seven years running. And then, of course, there's other stuff that happened in May. Not only does Glenn's birthday happen, my father's birthday, uh, one of my kitties' birthdays, a couple of good friends of mine, and uh, my Disney anniversary as well. May 19th was, in fact, or, yeah, because May 17th was graduation from college. May 19th was the actual journey, was the actual journey down. And May 21st was the start of uh, Kilimanjaro Safaris at Animal Kingdom. So, yeah, there's a lot of anniversaries that happen. But because this is a wrestling-based show, we wanted to focus on the wrestling anniversary. I did reach out and see if any workers wanted to tell their stories. And Was that May 19th the May 19th? No, because it was uh, 2008. And the May 19th okay. you're thinking of was like 05, I think. I think it was 05. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. God, can you imagine that? If it was that May... No, you know why I remember that? Because when I had mentioned that May 19th was the day I moved out of New Jersey, freaking Pat immediately was like, May 19th! <laughs> so, that's how I that's how I knew it wasn't truly associated. Oh, here comes Luke Gallows, dressed shitty old king. <clears throat> so the only two responses I got was from uh, Jason Cantwell, who I didn't even realize did work at some point. And uh, Chio Frost told his story. Um, Bobby G did not remember his first show. But Juan Jeremy never followed through with his. So uh, Cantwell's was 1997 at the old Cornerstone, Cornerstone Bar, which is now a strip club for Cutting Edge Wrestling. He was Reverend Jacob Clemens, which of course was a Booker-driven character. But he became synonymous with. He was... The Southern Baptist preacher in the garish white suit, representing the Holy Smackdown Warrior, Mephisto the Processor, also named by the aforementioned Booker. 
Mephesto was a jobber and I was his bombastic voice. But no other follow-up to what happened in the match. Uh, Chio Frost said it was... Said 2005 made him feel old because his debut was September 24th, 1994 for AWF All-Star Wrestling Federation at the original Body Slams Arena in Reading, Pennsylvania uh, versus the godfather of wrestling, Extreme Damian Kane with Lady Alexandra, and he lost via superplex. Dang, first match, you're going to do a super? Lost via... So, because the interaction didn't have a lot of interaction, I was like, well, let's ask an easier question more people will respond to. So, I asked a question that Dan and I have discussed before. What movie did you see in theaters the most and how many times? Dan, I already know the answer to yours. The original Ninja Turtles, like, over ten times. It's at least nine. It's gotta be more. Uh, Because we were, uh, it was when my father was in the Navy. I believe we were in Connecticut. And everybody in our family kept. It was one of those one of those summers where everyone in the family, like one by one, visited us for like a week. And there was a one dollar theater, and it had Ninja Turtles in it the entire summer. And everyone liked it so much that we just kept going. And it was like, oh no, your aunt's gonna be here next week. We're gonna go see Ninja Turtles. I'm like. Fuck yeah. Your grandparents are coming next week. We're going to go see Ninja Turtles. Your other grandparents are coming next next week. We're going to go see Ninja Turtles. There you go. And everyone enjoyed it. That was the good thing about that movie, is everyone freaking enjoyed it. It didn't matter if you were the 8-year-old kid or the 35-year-old aunt or uncle or the 50-year-old grandparent. You freaking had a good time. Uh, Glenn, do you remember yours? I do. And it's embarrassing as hell. Nope, you're going to say it. <clears throat> Not because I wanted to see it, but because I kept getting dragged to it by different people every fucking week. <laughs> uh, I saw it eight times in the theater. Jeez. It was Titanic. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember you saying something about that. Yeah. Titanic's all right to see. I've seen once in the theater. I'm happy with my one time. I wish I only saw it once in the theater. Especially since right behind me was a stereotypical black who, during that last hour, was more entertaining than the movie was. Yeah, I've had, the, had those before. Oh, jeez! The scene hit the thing! Oh, my... It was... When the guy freaking falls and he hits his head on the freaking huge propeller... Oh, yes. She fucking lost her shit. <laughs> I, was, I was one of those people that after I saw it the first time, I would be giving like a standing ovation to like when the smokestack fell on the guy swimming away or <laughs> when, when basically when all of the the really dramatic deaths were happening. I was like, yeah. no, like, no, that guy hit the propeller. So there was like a so you knew that like half of the crowd would snicker. You you did that on purpose, you son of a bitch. I snickered. Yeah, I've only ever seen one movie in theaters more than two times. It's rare that I go more than twice, but I did Return of the King three times because I saw it with my mother because she was a fan. I saw it with my buddy Kevin because he wanted to see it. And I saw it with Mike Simsek because he also wanted to see it. And I was I like... saw Return of the King twice. And the best part was by the last, the last time I saw it, I was trained to not have to pee anymore. And... <laughs> 
Ke- that was when I saw it with Kevin, and I, he was bouncing in his seat, and I'm just like, ha rookie, I knew this was going to suck. Yeah, I think I saw Return of the King four times. The, the, the next movie past Titanic, I think I saw Avatar five or six times, because I kept seeing it in different ways. Like I know I, what my number two is. Saw it normal, saw it in IMAX, saw it in IMAX 3D, you know, blah, 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 blah. What's your number two, Chris? Oh, it's just movies I've seen twice, and that's too big of a list to... Oh, it's just twice? Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number two would be have to be Episode One: The Phantom Menace. How many times did you see that? Uh, four or five. There you go. Oof. People just kept taking me. It was just like, oh, yeah, your uncle's in town. Uh, but no, the funny thing is that my uncle was in town, <laughs> and he was like, okay, yeah, well, I'm, me and Dan are going to go see Star Wars. We did see Star Wars, but we saw bigger, longer, and uncut before we saw Star Wars. There you go. <laughs> like, hey, you guys were gone for five hours. So we got uh, some uh, we got some responses here, and there were some people who were like, "I saw this twice, and that's not a story." So let's let's come see. on. I've even seen freaking Scott Pilgrim twice. Actually, when my sister and I left, we're like, uh, "We have to go and see that again in like a week or two. So we. Did. I should have I should have <laughs> tagged you in this one. I should have tagged both of you in this one, so we got some more responses, but. Uh, First one came from uh, from Jennifer. <laughs> Watchmen and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy both six times. Jeez. I mean, I liked both of those, specifically Watchmen more, but I am. Uh, from Megan. Scott Pilgrim five times. Yeah, that's right, baby. That's what I've seen twice, at least. <clears throat> uh, Jason Shin didn't say what movie. Or not, well, he said what movie, not how many times. He said Apollo 13. But he goes, not that I thought it was my favorite movie or anything. Wound up going on movie outings with multiple friends and family members, and that always seemed to be the movie that got chosen. And that, kind, <laughs> that kind of sounds like what happened with you. Like, hey, your uncle's coming. We're going to go see this. Well, it was the big movie that summer, right? So it's like the movie that's like how many people saw Independence Day like a million times because that was that movie was in theaters for six months. That's true. <laughs> Uh, Dylan Mushaw chimed in. Jurassic World, either four or five times. Okay. I, I've only seen Jurassic World twice. <laughs> once in the theater, and then I watched it once before the next one came out. Because even though I enjoyed it, I didn't enjoy it that much. I've, I've probably, sadly, seen Jurassic Park 3 more than Jurassic World. I've watched that's... Jurassic World once in the plane ride to Germany, and once hanging out at my brother's yeah. house. And once on the plane ride back to Germany. No, I try not to rewatch. Oh, dude, they usually show different movies depending on the direction you're going. Yeah, they do. They do that on purpose. Because the uh, flight, the flight home from France had Spider-Man three. I'll never forget that. That's how I saw Spider-Man three. It was on a flight, cross country flight. First time I saw, first time I saw the uh, the the second part of the Infinity War. Um, I watched it on the plane. I just I intentionally you watched Endgame on a plane. Yeah. The first time. Dang, dude. Was that was that actually a positive experience for you, or? Well, I I have noise canceling headphones, so I was able to hear everything just fine. Um, I probably missed some of the finite details because of screen glare, but it really wasn't that bad. I've I've we fly with Lufthansa. They they're usually pretty good about keeping their shit together. So, better than American. 
Them damn Americans. I actually got to see the first act of Spider-Man on the ground because they grounded all air traffic at one point. Ooh. Fun. So I got, so they're like, well, we're going to be here for a bit, so we're going to start the movies, and then when we actually get in the air and we can start them again, we'll start them like five minutes before wherever you guys left off. I think yeah. I've been air grounded one time because of rain. We were, oh yeah, you, you know where it was? Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> and we were either on our way to Disney or home from Disney, but there was a bad storm, so they just grounded everybody, and we were just there forever. And I remember I fell asleep and woke up, and we still were still in the same spot. Oh my yeah, God. that's happened a few times. I do remember um, the, the plane ride to New Mexico for well not well to Denver for my my big hiking expedition in scouts we were so tired cuz we basically had like an all night an all night movie fest before we went to the airport at you know at 2 3 in the morning and we had an all night movie fest all the scouts and we got on the plane and i remember i'm sitting on the plane i just sat down they're still loading and i shut my eyes and the next thing i know you know i'm 36,000 feet in the air and the the flight attendant's asking me if i want to drink and I'm like, no thanks, and I shut my eyes, and next thing I know, we're in St. Louis for our connecting flight. I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> that is the most, it's never happened again. So, uh, from my good friend Tori, my old college buddy, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, five times. And she has a fun fact. Her BFF and her actually went the first time to see Fast and the Furious, but it was sold out, so we reluctantly bought tickets to Pirates of the Caribbean instead. So glad we did because it's my favorite movie to this day. Seen Fast and the Furious quite a few times too. Mm. My favorite, like something freaking happened, and now we're here at a theater watching a movie we weren't planning on watching was the first Born movie, and I'm fucking glad it happened. There you go. I'm glad we didn't get to that comedy club in time because that fucking movie rock for freaking rules, dude. I don't remember <laughs> what we were trying to see, but. Uh... <laughs> It was something where, and it's funny how it worked out. Have you ever heard of the movie Go? Yes, I own it. Okay. So we intentionally were, or initially, were going to see another movie. And for whatever reason, one of the people we were with didn't have their ID. We couldn't get in, whatever the case may be. But they let us into Go, which was probably, arguably, even worse of a movie than what we were going to see initially. Um, so yeah, we got to, we got to see that on a just random spur of the moment. Oh, you can't see this. So here, go see this instead. Huh. All right. You go, Hey, go see, go. We were also supposed to, one time we were supposed to go to a hockey game, but the uh, machine that keeps the ice cold malfunctioned. So they had to cancel the game. And so we just randomly went to the theater and we saw the wedding singer. And I'm like, I'm glad we went and saw this instead of the hockey game. Good movie, good movie. Yes. That was prime Adam Sandler. Agreed. Uh, so here, here's a good one. This is from our resident artist, Brian Beinman, who just did that awesome disaster piece that I'm in, me and JW at the bottom. Uh, and I, The Rock. And, and The Rock. <laughs> I had no friends while living in Fort Lauderdale and a lot of disposable income, so I must have seen Moulin Rouge 10 plus times. So anybody who feels ashamed for seeing a movie more than twice can look at me and say, well, I wasn't that bad. 
I only half watched Moulin Rouge. It was in the background behind me, and I fucking hated every second of it. I've never seen it. Not my thing. <clears throat> I am not a Baz Luhrmann fan. I fucking hate every every directorial chase, choice he makes. I dislike. So <laughs> uh, when they're like, lo- "Hey, they're remaking freaking uh, what? What was the one? The Leo? The freaking Gatsby?" I was like, "Oh, cool, a Gatsby one. Ooh, with Leo. Oh, Luhrmann." And that's the thing. I liked Gatsby. I hated the freaking soundtrack. I thought they they did that movie dirty by putting all that fucking rap in there. All right. We got a couple more here I want to read. Uh, I'm not going to read the the standard repeats, but uh, Allie says Titanic four times. So at least you're not alone there. Um, Yep. From Matthew. Wally 15 times. Ouch! And Revenge of the Sith once a week while it was in theaters. I can at least appreciate that one. (laughs) Hey, I love Wally. No, no, no. Don't get me. I don't love it 15 times in theaters much, but. At least he didn't say he went and saw Go 15. Or not Go, uh, uh, Up 15 times. Why would you you kill Go Up. Fuck. Go up. Uh, from my buddy Sam, showing his age, of course, Star Wars, when that was the full title, seven times. That's, That's awesome. actually probably impressive for the time. Meanwhile, uh, my mother claims that if she wasn't there on someone else's ride, she would have left. <laughs> um, from Ray Carcilla who's done commentary for GSW in the past. Batman Begins and The Dark Knight both six times. I like how that's where it stopped. I'm assuming (laughs) Dark Knight Rises did not make the cut there. I didn't see Batman Begins in the theater. I saw it on HBO. Hey, that's how I saw Batman Begins, too. I didn't see that in the theater. That That was when they played Batman Begins and Harry Potter 4 all day, every day, and I fucking loved that shit. And that was my intro to Harry Potter as well. I hadn't even read any of the books. My intro to Harry Potter was watching the fourth movie. Was Voldemort's return. Went to the theater for both of them. Was actually falling asleep during the dark night because they had the heat cranked up so high that we were all basically passing out. Mm. Damn. We were there there for a midnight show. So we were all tired as it was. Got a few more here. Uh, Rick Williamson from The Popcorn Diet. I think I saw Black Panther and Mad Max Fury Road both five times. You know, I would I would have gone back to see Fury Road again. I never saw. I've never seen Fury Road. It's the best or second best Mad Max movie. I'll have to keep that in mind when we're movie hunting. Uh, we got uh we got Radley Belmont of the Stepdads Tag Team. Hey, book him. When this comes back, book them because the stepdads are trying to get out there. I saw Incredible Hulk four times. Not because I wanted to, but because three different friends paid for me to go with them. That would that would probably do it for me, too. I don't... The, watching it now, I like it more every time I watch it. And every, time, every time it comes up, like every time I'm going to do one of those MCU watches, and it comes up, and I'm like, ugh, yeah, this one. And then I watch it, I was like, wait. That's the one with... Uh... 
Edward Norton. Edward Norton is better. Yeah, yes. I, I like that one the, the most of the Hulk movies. The Eric Bana one, I actually stopped because it was so fucking boring. That one sucked <laughs> so bad. I haven't seen That's the one I haven't seen. I'm not planning on it. I was like, I'm going to fall asleep during a movie, and I've never fallen asleep during a movie. Uh, this one's from from uh, one of Shannon's friends, Nikki. Daredevil, the shit-tastic movie because the guy I was seeing when I was 16 thought it was brilliant. It was not. Saw it five-plus times. That's the awesome. The more I watch that now, the better I, the more I like it. I didn't like it when it was released. Uh, this is from my sister, Lauren. I'm only reading it because she never repeats at the theater, but she saw Dark Knight Rises twice and Harry Potter 7. So, she actually repeated three times. Didn't we all see Harry Potter 7 twice? Yes. But not what... Yes, I get it. Uh, Joel Oreski, ring announcer from the area. Really good guy. Excellent ring announcer. Book him for your show. Super professional. Wedding Crashers five times. That's a good one. Uh, Michael Vaughn also threw in the fact that he's seen The Crow five times. Fun fact, as much as I'm a huge Crow fan, I never saw it in the theater. You know, it's funny. There are some movies that I'm a huge fan. Like, my favorite movie of all time is Hot Fuzz, and I haven't, I didn't see it in the theater. It doesn't mean it I'm can't gonna, be I only saw the one Cornetto movie in the theater. World's End? Yeah, and it was World's End. Because, like, I, I was in college when Shaun of the Dead started, like, picking up steam, like, before it came out. But, like, I wasn't able to go because it wasn't even in all theaters. And I was in the middle of bumfuck northern Minnesota. <laughs> mm. uh, Mike, like, yes. like yeah, our one little theater there isn't going to fucking have <laughs> Sean of the Dead. No. And what Michael said was basically between different dates and hanging with the bros. Hey, that'll do it. Uh, from Tony Tantalo. Tony's father worked with uh, George Romero so he saw Land of the Dead ten times yeehaw uh, from Shannon's Guess best what better than people say yes from Shannon's best friend Kate Titanic with her sister seven times and then a girl Nicole responds and said yeah me too <laughs> so seven freaking times for more ti- more Titanics coming out here <laughs> um Will Mann saw Spider-Man Homecoming seven times. Jeez. Uh, here's my favorite one from uh, somebody who Glenn and I both know, Craig Niebuhr. Oh, I know his answer. So his was funny because he started off with Fellowship of the Ring five times and then immediately corrected himself. He goes, no, never mind. Rocky Horror Picture Show at least 20. Yep. Because he's one of those guys. And of course, Shin immediately responds, does that count? Was it in the theater? It counts. Why wouldn't that count? I don't understand that. Somebody explain that to me. Uh, Becca saw Fellowship of the Ring nine times. Luke wished it was something else. The Matrix nine times. I actually like The Matrix, and I've seen that one quite a few times, too. I didn't see The Matrix until long after VHS. Uh, My co-worker, Sean, saw Endgame five times. First by himself on a Tuesday at noon, then with his dad, and then with various friends. 
And the last one I'm going to read... Oh, wait. No, wait. There's two more here. Um, Got to read Mickey O'Reilly's. Due to commitments with family and friends, I once saw Batman Begins three times in one week. <laughs> okay. He said... It was playing as a package deal at the drive-in that he went to with friends, and by the third time, he barely watched it because he'd seen it so many times that quickly. And the last one I want to read is from my father, a guy who does never repeats at the theater, but he did once to see... And I'm not even surprised by this answer. Freaking Top Gun. (laughs) I'm not even surprised. He loves that movie. He loves that movie. I was when I was growing up. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Tom Cruise's movies. Uh, even still, am today. I still think he's a fantastic actor, despite what people think of him as a person. Um, but Top Gun and Days of Thunder, I could watch those all day. I watched Days of Thunder in freaking high school, like in class, because <laughs> I was in a sports marketing class. Because I had to get like one more credit for being a business major. Ah, uh, okay. And that's what we watched, like, stuff like that. I did, my big paper for that class was about WWE's stock opening. They're just a public offering. <clears throat> now there you have it, guys. That's the whole... The whole shebang. There was a couple more on there that I did not read. If I didn't read, it's just because I don't. I don't. You're basic. No, I don't think two times in the theater is that impressive, unless you're known for not repeating in the theater, and maybe you're not. And like I, like I said, I read my sister and my dad's because I just know that they they don't or they can't. So that was interesting to me. But what I'd be interested in hearing is what people who have ever done two or more in a row in a, in a day. And what the movies they were. And also, if you ever did, like, a drive-in double feature. I've done a couple of those. Oh, yeah. I saw, uh... That's actually how I saw Clerks 2. I saw it once in the drive-in and once in the theater. Because it was playing with Snakes on a Plane my second time... My final time going to the drive-in. Maybe we'll do a question about the drive-in movies next time. We could do like your if you remember your uh the last time you've actually been to the the drive-in i remember what i did i remember the last time i was at a drive-in we can save that for next time if you got a question you want us to answer it doesn't have to be wrestling related you can submit them and uh gotten a couple of other submissions for points or consequences games too including one from joshua vargason that i might do this week he specifically requested it for next week and since that'll be my week anyway Maybe I'll do it for him. Maybe. Uh, This week, coming up on the VIP experience. Since no one asked any questions this week, like I asked you to. You jokes. Fine, I won't answer anything. Uh, This week, coming up for uh, VIP, we're going to review my very first episode of Raw, July 15th, 2002, that I attended live. With the debut of Eric Bischoff. Of course, we got some rap songs to review and a couple of firsts we'll discuss from patrons about their first experiences in wrestling or elsewhere. That's coming up on the VIP show. Dan, are you ready? 
Am I ready? I you, don't know. You better be. So I don't what, even remember the freaking thing. Yes. You wanted us to ruin a movie by recasting a co-star or secondary character. Uh, and the idea was to try to avoid wrestling unless it was relevant to the thing. So, so they're all wrestling. Okay. Exactly. Uh... I, yeah, we're not going to make Glenn do any work this week. I will take down the stuff. So, do not worry, yeah, Glenn. I, I, I was not prepared for any of that. No, you do not have to be. We got this. All right, first entry up. In Rambo First Blood, Colonel Troutman is played by Bobcat Goldwith. Just the... You don't know what you're dealing with! <laughs> that would be correct. Yeah. Bring him in. He was a superior officer. Yeah! <laughs> it's kind of a shame! It's not a great Bobcat voice, but hey. I don't, that's a hard impression to do. It gets the point across. Well, I just remember like a, a comic relief from like the 80s. He did his entire bit while he was quote-unquote walking on hot coals. <clears throat> yeah, that would be... Of course you did. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get your voice, high. <laughs> yeah. That'll so get, get them points. Point does to Mr. Randy Moyer. Sorry, I'm just going to read them because I'm going to have to take some notes here. All right. Uh, we've gone back to saying the names. Just just for this because of the weird way I'm taking notes. All right. In Die Hard, Hans Gruber is now played by Pee Wee Herman instead of the great Alan Rickman. I'm like the rooftop scene when he's like, those is American voices. You go full. <laughs> and Mr. Takagi will not be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Points. That would definitely kill that off real quick. <laughs> I just, I always picture that scene with Steve Urkel. You know, he, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, as, uh, uh, well, Urkel's John, brother was the, was the, as John McLean. Uh, Oops, did I do that? Oh, Urkel is McLean. That? Like, that's funny because his brother was freaking Argyle, the limo driver. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was Jeff Trellowitz with the Die Hard entry. In Predator, the part of the Predator is now played by Vern Troyer. <laughs> you got two foot tall Predator going around. That might that, that might be extra that might be extra terrifying. You are one ugly motherfucker. Whoa, racist, <laughs> sizest. Jeez, bro. Oh my word! The pre the Predator is a tripod. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Vern Troyer as the Predator. Yeah, that's points. Points to Dylan Mewshaw. In Star Trek, Sylvester Stallone will now play the part of Mr. Spock. It's only logical. I hope it's incomprehensible, Sylvester Stallone. 
he's just like, Yo, Adrian! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's points. Points to Mr. Adrian Cotton. Yo, Adrian! Yo, Adrian! In Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Brave Sir Robin is played by Chris O'Donnell. LOL. I thought that was clever. Because you know he's gonna fuck. No, he's a Robin, you know? Yeah, I know. And also to tie in because he was in freaking Three Musketeers. Yep. Brother, uh, it's D'Artagnan. <laughs> Don't lose your head. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, brave Sir Robin. Points to Dandal, who I just wrote down as Dondal. So bravely ran away, away. <laughs> Jim Carrey will now play the role of RoboCop in RoboCop. But he's not going to be the officer at the beginning, right? <laughs> you know, he gets where Red Foreman just fucking massacres him with a slot on. Yeah. By the way, I tried watching that movie. couldn't get past the opening. <laughs> I was like, that's too fucked up. And I know it turns around like hardcore, like right after this. But fuck, this is awful. Isn't RoboCop the main character, though? Ooh. No, Ed 209 is the main character, Obvi. I guess this would be a rules violation now, wouldn't it? Oh, boy. What does that mean, Dan? That means you get deleted! Oh, Joshua Vargason still gets added to the, the pool for one spot, but no pointos. That's zero pointos. But also, that would have been, like, starting Jim Carrey, like, actually doing stand-up age Jim Carrey. Because <laughs> it was the 80s. Alrighty then. That was before that. Yeah. <laughs> In Interview with a Vampire, alongside Tom Cruise as Lestat, you will now have Nicolas Cage as Louis de Pont-de-Luc. Okay, that's funny because fucking Vampire's Kiss, right? Where he's not even a vampire, he just thinks he's a vampire because he's fucking crazy. Naturally. And he buys the freaking teeth. Instead of Brad Pitt, we go with Nick Cage. Uh, yeah. But watch it be one of the ones he fucking nails, right? Because that's Nick Cage for you, right? It's either super hammy or he fucking nails it. That's true. That's the only way Nick Cage knows how to operate. Or you could be one of those times where he's super hammy and nails it like kick-ass. Yeah. I was going to say, kick-ass is one of those weird roles for him where he did fantastic. Dude, we should do a tournament of Nick Cage characters. He's like, you know what my character kind of looks like old Batman? Like, what if I pretended I was him? <laughs> like, what if I acted like I was uh... 60s Batman? Okay. Fun fact, first time I saw that movie, I didn't even realize he was in it until he showed up. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. You're like, what the hell? So what do you say? Nick Cage? When you just get right to the scene where he's shooting his daughter in the chest. Yeah. So she can learn to take a shot with a vest on. Points. All right. Glenn? 
Please take your bow. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm not too... Shouldn't be surprised that was a Glen entry. Not surprised. I mean, freaking... That was just the first one that popped into my head. I was like, that'll be... It's like one of his go-to online names. (laughs) It is. Exactly. (laughs) In Hellraiser, Andy Dick will play Pinhead. Don't cry, you bitch. You're wasting all that suffering. You know what's really funny is Pinhead as, like... The main thing is not the main character in the movie. It's always the freaking people that are dumb enough to open the box and do shit. Yeah. Correct. Correct. (laughs) So, yeah, points. Points to the Taylor. Chaylor? Chaylor. The Tadwick. We have to call him Chaylor because Glenn's here this week. Of course. Got to do the Glenn gimmicks. In Scarface, the role of Tony Montana will now be played by Pauly Shore. Delete. Not the lead role. No lead roles, right? What do you think, Robert Loja is the leader, is the main person in Scarface? <laughs> That's, That's where my... you go. You go instead of instead of Robert Loja, you do Robert Loja. Uh, it's one of my favorite Family Guy jokes is when he's. Spelling his name at the airport. for... (laughs) Look, look, Tim, it's Robert Lucia. It's Robert Lucia. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Oh, for oh my, it's Robert Robert Lucia. (laughs) Robert Atkin gets no points. Who the fuck do you think you are? This is my movie. Is this... We're not Chase Owens yet, right? No. I'm reading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not Chase Owens yet. In Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, the physical and voice role of Darth Vader will now be played by Stephen Hawking. No. Physical? I... <laughs> yes. That's Because the voice would make sense. Don't you make me destroy you. Like, right. Like, it kind of makes sense because, like, he's all fucked up. So if he was going to... Like, it could be a thing like, oh, yeah, he just deteriorated and now he can't, like, physically talk or whatever. But no, it's the physicality, right? Exactly. That's why it's funny. No, it's funny. I am your father. Darth Vader on wheels. You know it to be true. Mobile Vader. Points. Points to not last. Waha! Don Murray was in the middle last week, too. Yeah, he's been doing that lately. Don Mario, why'd you lose your gimmick, bro? You changing that gimmick up? Middle of the pack, Don Mario. I love this one. Doesn't get hit by the green shell. In Deliverance, the part of the hillbilly rapist is played by Shaquille O'Neal. What? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) You're gonna squeal like a pig, boy. Hold on there. You got a pretty face. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking random, but I love it. got a pretty mouth, too. But I love it. That's points. That's really like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was Tom Dickinson, the chef. And now we're at the Chase Owens. Chase it. All right. Chase it. Do with, do with this next one what you will. In Santa's sleigh. Santa is now played by Gilberg. And fuck, because Santa is technically is not the main character. It's the kids. 
son of a bitch. Gilbert. Yeah. <sighs> Would not be as intimidated. Why would I want to? Why would I be intimidated by a guy who I could who I could probably beat up? You can hold him at arm's length. You couldn't. Be, he's an actual legitimate like wrestler. He'd probably still kill you when he's eighty. He's actually a really nice guy. That very, too. He's very professional. Yeah. I was I was more referencing the wrestling stuff, but you, know, you didn't want the wrestling. But do what you want with it. It's your game. Well, I mean, it's a movie, and he's moving a wrestler that was in the movie for a different wrestler. Well, I mean, can you just do the opening the opening bit where, like, three name actors are in the opening five minutes and get killed by him in the beginning? Like, just expect, like, that beginning part? It's the only Gilbert? good part of the movie. <laughs> That's the only part of that movie I've willingly rewatched. I've never watched the rest of it because it was just so terrible. A curling match, really? <laughs> uh, all right. So, what do you say, Pointos? Yeah, Jay Wingo with the points. <clears throat> the new Nick Fury in Avengers is Gilbert Gottfried. Damn. Oh my god! Let's talk about the Avenger Initiative. And then when they stop paying attention, Jimmy just tells, starts telling you a secret. <laughs> well, you see, this family goes into casting off, and the guy says, "What should, what nice to meet you. What should, what should deal?" Well, no, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's an Ellis entry. My wife kicked me out. In Major League, Pedro Serrano is now played by Gabriel Iglesias, a.k.a. Fluffy. I know Gabriel Iglesias. He's Mr. Iglesias on Netflix's Mr. Iglesias. He walked past us while we were waiting for everybody to come out at WrestleMania, and Joey Image goes... Reads his title belt and goes, well, why would you get a fucking replica title and put Gabriel Iglesias' name on it? That's stupid. And we all looked at him and we're like, Joe, that is Gabriel Iglesias. <laughs> Mr. Fluffy himself. Yeah, that was him. Uh, yeah. That is points. Points to Russell Wright. Penultimate entry. Meet the new headmaster of Hogwarts. Shia LaBeouf. Literal cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Running everywhere from Shia LaBeouf. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> did you just do it? Did you let your dreams not be dreams? Uh, that was mine. No one super popped me yet, but I guess we'll have to go through. Maybe the last person will pop me. Let's find out with the last couple people. In The Godfather, Don Corleone is played by Dom DeLuise. Well, duh. 
Because he did it in freaking Man Tights, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's cotton balls. Uh, yeah, points. And that was Matt Hardman with the last point. So with no earmarks... No one wins. I suppose you could do that. I feel like if I had to throw out an objective opinion, I would say you should award the win to the Predator entry because you actually did pop for that one. What does Glenn think? I mean, that one did get you to at least stop. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely popped for that. Okay. Then may it be so. Make it so now. Dylan Musha, you're welcome. That Glenn and I gave you the win. Because that really was the only one you truthfully popped for. Uh, my original one was the... You and I. My original one was the headmaster of Hogwarts was Christopher Walken. But people were like, no, that would make the movie better. And I was like, oh, I guess I gotta go for somebody shitty. I also considered just making it Jar Jar Binks, but I was afraid you were gonna bury that. <laughs> Although I was just thinking, like, ooh, Gryffindor, get 50 points now, Alki Day. God. God. You put your name in Goblet of Fire? (laughs) You also had uh, three bonuses. Jabba the Hutt played by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, damn. Uh, Dylan from The Predator played by Shelton. And C-3PO played by RuPaul. Oh, dear. Or Rebecca Quinn, played by Sarah Chalk. Which, yes. that that popped me, by the way. <laughs> so. Yes. I actually brought that up in my stream. No, I was in someone else's stream, actually. Helping them out. In TW. When Damn. I saw that. Damn, Beth. Alright, well that's our show for this week. Of course, Ted, we've got the VIP coming up here. Uh, Glenn, thank you for coming back for one week. And as he has informed us, uh, it probably won't be until the latter half of the summer before Glenn returns full-time when his job finally allows him to do so. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, as we close out here, I'd just like to say that while I am still a Jim Cornette guy, fuck him for his comments about Becky Lynch. That's just ridiculous. No point in talking about it. Apparently, Joey Janela responded to him, but I'm not going to listen to that because I don't give two flying fucks about anything Joey Janela has to say. Uh, congratulations to Matt Cardona and Brian Myers for being the last two launch roster additions to Retromania. <coughs> Good talk there. And, uh, yeah, other than that, um, and just remember, Lou Fisto's not a porn star. That's pretty much all we have to say <laughs> about this week. We'll see you guys next week for more Wrestle Talk. Later. Man.